Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, in the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what of what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be um, and he will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord um, God will give will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And the angel said, and Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age is also conceived a son and is in the sixth month with her who has been called barren. For nothing will be, um, will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. As I mentioned, uh, Christmas Eve completes the season of Advent. And to complete Advent, we light the final candle, the white candle that sits in the center of the wreath. This fifth candle represents what other, what every other candle has anticipated, the coming of Christ. There was much about the arrival of Jesus that makes his birth noteworthy. He was born of a virgin. He was laid in a manger, announced by angels, and arriving in the city of David called Bethlehem, according to prophecy. But what truly separates the arrival of Jesus is the cross and the empty tomb. For Jesus was the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, God the Son, who humbled himself not only by taking on himself human flesh, but dying on the cross in order to take upon himself the penalty for our sin. This selfless act of humbling himself brings us into right relationship with God the Father by grace through faith. So we do not light this candle simply because a baby was born. We light this candle knowing this baby grew to be a sinless man who died in the sinner's place because he was the light of the world who came to take away our spiritual darkness. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God 
was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing your love for for sinful humanity by sending your one and only Son to earth. It is through his life that we are rescued from death and through his death that we find true life. Because we have been reconciled to you through his blood, may you shine the light of Christ in us and through us this evening and forevermore. In Jesus' name, together we pray. Amen. Well, good evening, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Really glad that each and every one of you are here. And no, your eyes are not, eyes are not deceiving you. Yes, this is new. Uh, so if you feel like I'm a little closer than normal, uh, it's you're, Tyler's not scared of me. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, if you are a first-time guest, I am so glad that you are with us. My name is Aaron, lead pastor for Riverwood, and it is just an absolute privilege that we get to celebrate the coming of Christ tonight. And I'm glad that you chose to be here with us, whether it's because family brought you, uh, some friends tricked you into coming, or you found us online. I'm really glad you're here with us. Uh, tonight, we decided not to do our normal handouts on Sunday mornings. We uh, give a little paper handout and invite people just to know some of the things happening around Riverwood. Uh, we decided not to do those, but we realized that meant we weren't going to have the connection cards inside. Our church family uses those connection cards to share prayer requests. So uh, we scattered some throughout. Uh, hopefully you saw those when you came in and there's a pin. So if you have a prayer request that you'd really like the elders to pray for, by all means, please still use that card uh, tonight. And then uh, at the end, just drop it in the giving box, whether in here in the worship gathering space or right near the uh, exterior doors. We'd be honored, though, to get to pray for you. Also, if you are a first-time guest, uh, on Sunday mornings, we tell people that if they're willing to fill that card out as a first-time guest, we will donate $5 to Compassion International. And so we would like to still do that tonight. We're not going to arm-twist you to get your information, but if you will, if you will uh, fill that out, we donate that $5 to Compassion. They are an organization that has a goal of releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. And so what they do is they work through local churches where kids have every opportunity to receive some clothes, receive some food, receive education, but they also have every opportunity to hear the life-changing message of Jesus. The goal is to change the life of a child, and if we change enough children, we might change some families. And if you change enough families, you might change some communities, and you change enough communities, you change the world. And so if you would like to help us in, in, in making that small difference in the life of a kid, please fill out that card and you can do the same, like the prayer request. Just drop it in the giving box on your way out and we would be honored to send that out this week. A um, couple of other things. Uh, speaking of giving, uh, we last Sunday uh, collected our uh, impact gift for um, alternatives. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, we every year in December celebrate, uh, I mean, uh, collect this Christmas impact gift. We alternate between a local organization and a global organization. This year was local, and we chose Alternatives Pregnancy Center. And you guys must love alternatives because you completely shattered any record we may have had in giving. This year, you guys gave over $6,200, all of which is going to uh, alternatives this week. Yeah, that needs uh, a big hand clap. 
So to the, everyone who donated, thank you so, so much for helping us to make that impact. Uh, tomorrow, we are not gathering together. This is our worship gather, gathering for the week. Tomorrow morning, just spend the time with the family, sleep in, enjoy some food, worship together, uh, spend some time in prayer, read the Christmas story, just relax and enjoy the time together with family, whatever your plans are. We pray that that will be a very meaningful time for you, and I hope tonight helps to set that up. And then uh, we are starting our 21 days of prayer on the, uh, Sunday, January 1st. So if you, uh, not if, if you're part of the Riverwood family, I want you to participate in this journey with us. Uh, so on your way out, if you didn't grab one already, make sure to grab a, a devotional booklet. Uh, if you would rather receive those devotions via email, simply uh, send an email to riverwood at weareriverwood.org and we'll get you added to the email list. Or you can go on our website. We have a form there. Just look, uh, go under, I think it's under resources. Look for 21 days and you can then fill out the form and that will automatically add you to the 21 days of prayer email list. What we'll do is we'll email each out each day the devotional. I, it, I'm super excited about it. Uh, we have elders, uh, Sunday team, uh, Riverwood partners who've helped write some of those devotionals. So it's a whole church family helping one another to grow in Christ. We're going to focus on gospel growth, growth in, in us as individuals, growth as a church, and then hoping and praying that God would grow the kingdom through us as well. So please grab that devotional uh, and then participate with us beginning on January 1st. All right, announcements done. Let's get to Christmas. Before we get to Christmas, let's get to an engagement. On September 24th, 1993, Leanne Renee Wojcikowski said yes to my proposal of marriage. That's right. And if you guys knew how popular on campus she was and how unpopular I was, you guys would be really amazed. That's probably why it took her two weeks to say yes to it. That's not a joke. She did. She took two weeks, but it was not because she had doubts about me. We were still juniors in college, so we were still really young. She was just questioning the timing, and she just needed those two weeks to process it out, and so we just had a lot of conversation, but it made those two weeks really, really awkward. And two weeks after I had proposed, we're sitting behind California dorm at the 100 stairs on the campus of John Brown University. We're sitting on these concrete benches, and she looks over at me, and she says, ask me. And in my head, I'm thinking, ask you what? Why you won't commit? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, what is going on? But thankfully, even though I was low on sleep, I was calm enough to just put myself at ease and say, ask you what? And she said, ask me again. So I just repeated the exact same words from two weeks prior. But this time she said, yes. And my waiting was over. But it wasn't. Have you ever noticed that when you think you're waiting for something is done, really all that's happened is you've shifted into a new season of waiting. For, for instance, if you've ever been to the doctor, you're sitting there in the waiting room, someone comes out, calls your name, and you're thinking, finally, my wait is over. Only to get into the exam room and wait just as long for the doctor to finally show up. I mean, this happens at the airport. This happens at the uh, uh, dentist office. It happens uh, at the DMV. Like, it happens everywhere. You think you're done waiting, but really all it's done is it shifted you into a new season of waiting. Tonight, we're going to see how the arrival of Christ led to the waiting being over. The season of Advent is done. And yet we're also going to see how all it's done is shifted us into a new season of waiting. 
And we need to talk about what God wants to accomplish during this new season because it might make all the difference for you. So as we get ready to head to the scriptures, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we say thank you. We are so grateful for the indescribable gift of Jesus. How you, Jesus, willingly came to this earth, taking on human flesh, even being born into the form of a baby, because you loved us. You knew we needed rescued from our sin, and so you delighted to come and do what only you could do so that you could bring us out of our sin into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. That is why we say thank you tonight, and we worship you. But Father, some of us here, we need to hear from you. Because while we know this Christmas story, some of us, this has been a hard year, or we're looking into a difficult year. And some of us tonight, we lack peace, and we need you to reassure us and remind us of your presence, of your power, and of your plan. So that's why, Father, I pray that this tonight would not be about what I have prepared to say, but about what you need to and want to say to these people who've come that no matter where they're at in their spiritual journey, you will say exactly what you need to say and they will know that you have called them here tonight and you are leading them and loving them and will work in them. So Father, help us to hear from you this evening. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Well, all throughout the world tonight, churches are reading from Luke chapter 2. And so let's be a little bit conformist, and we'll do the same. Uh, we're going to read from Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. Don't worry about pulling out your Bibles. You can read it up on the screen. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This past month, during the season of Advent, we've been seeing how the ancient Jewish people were awaiting a Messiah. They were looking for a Messiah who would be in the likeness of Moses a priest who would be in the order of Melchizedek, and a king who would come from the line of David. But what we saw last week was that really deep down what they needed wasn't just some prophet, priest, or king. What they truly needed was God himself. And all of this came together in the person of Jesus. And so when Jesus, the Son of God, took on human flesh and was born of the Virgin Mary, the waiting was over. The angels stood out and announced to common shepherds that the great shepherd had arrived, that, they, that the, the, the prophet that they had been longing for had arrived in a blaze of glory being born to a poor couple, that the priest that they longed for had shown up and he was arrayed in swaddling cloths, that the king that they needed so desperately was now set upon his manger throne. God showed up 
taking on human flesh, and he was about to turn the world upside down. But even though their waiting was over, they ended up shifting into a new season of waiting. And we kind of hear it there in the angel's proclamation. In verse 14, the angels sang or said this, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So kids, notice there, God gets the glory, but what do people get? Peace. I assume some of you kids knew how to read. Yeah, they get peace. Something you're probably not going to let your mom and dad have tomorrow. I'm teasing you guys. I'm teasing. But it makes sense, doesn't it? The Messiah is the Prince of Peace, as Isaiah 9-7 tells us. And so it would make sense that when the Prince of Peace has shown up, when he's been born, that the angels would announce that the very embodiment of peace is now on the earth. And so, of course, it's peace to those with whom God is well-pleased. And yet, when you look around this world, you don't see peace. At least I don't. What I see is Russia and Ukraine still fighting 10 months after it began. Today marks exactly 10 months. I see nations right now who are having all sorts of unrest because of headscarves, because of education, because of COVID mitigations. I see our own nation still deeply divided over politics as ever before. I see a nation that still is struggling with violent crime. It seems like about every other week we read about someone somewhere being killed. I see churches that are divided. I see marriages that are failing. I see friendships that are fractured. I see people in turmoil in themselves. I see a world lacking peace. So what gives? Were the angels wrong? Or or maybe the peace was just for that night, and then it would like revert back to its normal chaotic self. Or, Or maybe Luke just made this all up. Sounded like a really good fictional story. You know, it's a wonderful mythology. So he's just kind of putting this down. And now we use it as an excuse to, you know, have a bunch of food, get together as family, and and an excuse to engage in our materialism. Well, I don't believe this is fictional. I do believe these things actually happened. And I believe the angels were not wrong. The reason we might misinterpret it is because of the way we view the world. You see, you and I, we tend to view things in the natural world. Like physically, what we see, what is happening around us. We we just kind of come at things selfishly. Not in a sinful way, it's all about me, but just this is our our world. And so it's how we interpret it. It's how we interpret relationships, our schedule, our to-do lists. But what we have to remember is that God is spirit. And God is far more concerned with your spiritual life than he is with your outward life. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. God is very, very concerned with your outward life. He loves you. All of you matters to him. It's just that your outward life is not his first concern. This explains why in Mark chapter 2, when Jesus is inside of a house teaching a whole group of people, 
Some friends show up carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They can't get into Jesus, hoping for him to heal the man, so they find a way up onto the roof of the house, rip a hole through it, and they lower their friend down to Jesus to be healed. Now, as evidence that Jesus cares about the outward life, he tells the man, take up your mat and walk. But that's not the first thing he says. The first thing he says is the text says that when Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the friends and the faith of the man, he said, your sins are forgiven. You see, it would have done nothing for the man eternally if Jesus had healed his legs but not dealt with his sinful state. What he needed first and foremost was the forgiveness of his sins, and the healing of his legs was a wonderful bonus. It also explains why Jesus, when he came to earth, did not take the time and energy to overthrow the Roman Empire because he knew that eventually the Roman Empire would fade. They would be no more. But what was still reigning from, since the very beginning was sin. So what he needed to do was to take care of the spiritual empire of sin, defeat it so that people could come out from underneath its slavery and find a relationship with God. God is far more concerned with your spiritual life than just your outward life. Which is why when the angels sang about peace, I think they were singing about more than just the stoppage of wars and the fixing of friendships. Years ago, I did a study in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3 is the story of Adam and Eve sinning. It's when they ate the forbidden fruit, and when they did, sin came crashing into God's order. And as I studied through that, I began to see all the things that were broken. For instance, their, their marriage, their relationship was, was fractured a bit. That their relationship with their body was broken. We saw that for Eve, that, that uh, uh, childbirth would be painful. We saw for Adam that, that, that their relationship with the world was broken. So now his work, his labor was going to be really, really difficult. There were so many things broken. But the most important one is that their relationship with God was broken. When their relationship with God, the one who breathed life into them, was broken, they became spiritually dead. And when they became spiritually dead, they lacked peace. And so when the angels are saying there's now peace between God and man, they're not just talking about peace surrounding us. They're talking about a peace within us. Some of you, you have lacked peace this year. And you've been wondering, is God real? Is God for me? Tonight, you're being reminded there is a peace. The peace came in a baby. And when you put your faith in that baby, tying the Christmas story with the Easter story, realizing that baby grew to become an adult who lived a sinless life, but went and died in the sinner's place upon the cross, you can have inner peace and your wait is over. But yet you shift into a new season. That while your sins are forgiven and they're not held against you any longer, God is still at work. Because some of you are saying, Aaron, I did that. I put my faith in Jesus, and yet I have still lacked peace. And I'm telling you that your peace will be found in Christ. It's that you need to come to him continually, 
over and over and over. Because as you do, you will be matured and you will become more like Christ, learning to live like Jesus lived and love like Jesus loved. And as that is developed within you, you develop, as it says in Philippians 4, 7, a peace that surpasses understanding. So that when things start happening around you and to you, and you suddenly have this peace, other people look at it and go, that makes no sense. Like, if that was my life, I would just be in chaos. Oh, they just must have a better personality than me. They must be wired a little differently than me. And really, no, it's because you are seeking to trust God through it all. Following Christ does not mean that everything gets suddenly easy. It means you now have the forgiveness of your sins. And he's inviting you into this relationship where his presence, his power, his peace becomes a part of you. If you're here tonight and you've never fully put your faith in Christ, I invite you to let tonight become your spiritual birthday. As we celebrate the birth of Jesus, I would love to also celebrate birth within you. That your spiritual man that is dead in your sins would tonight get to come alive. And you would get to begin this brand new journey and your wait would be over. But what you need to understand about this idea of salvation is it's a very flexible word in the Bible. It's not like the way we use love. We don't just make love flexible. We, make, we abuse that word. I mean, we love everything. Tacos, my wife, my dog, my football team. But when it comes to this idea of salvation, when, when you put your faith in Christ, it's past tense. Your sins are forgiven. You are saved. You have peace. Your waiting is over. And yet, the scriptures also teach that you are in the process of being saved. The big fancy word is sanctification. It's this ongoing present day thing. But the scriptures also teach about how you will be saved. It's a future thing. And that's the new season we're in. When you put your faith in Christ, it's done. It's over. And yet you enter into this new season where you are now awaiting the return of Christ. We are in a new season of Advent. And when he comes, our peace will be complete and fully fulfilled. And yet God offers it to you now. And so I'd like to pray. If you have not put your faith in Jesus and you're ready tonight, I'm going to help guide you in a little prayer. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this evening because we are thankful for Jesus. Thank you that he came for us. Thank you that that you loved us so much to send him. Father, right now, I pray for the person who has not put their faith in you, and yet tonight they sense that you're saying, become my child follow me. I love you. I'm for you. I want to fill you with my peace. And I pray that they would humbly come right now to you, that they would confess their sin. They would admit they've tried to do it on their own. And tonight they're surrendering it to say they want to follow you. Jesus, you went to a cross. You gave it all for them. Help them now to begin this process of giving it all to you. Lord, I pray for my brother or sister in Christ, who they know this story, they've done this before, and yet this year has lacked peace. I pray that now, as they pray, you would surround them, you would fill them, that your Holy Spirit would take over, and they would have a sense of you and your love. 
that, that tonight they would be reminded that they can have a peace that surpasses understanding. And it doesn't come through their own brute strength. It doesn't come through just a, a power of will. It comes in Christ. So just as those who tonight are putting their faith in you for the first time, I pray that these people would put their faith in you yet again, trusting you because you, are, you love them, you are for them, you are with them, and you want to use them. So Father, I pray that they would realize that they are not void of peace. That instead, they can be filled with it. So Father, we thank you. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for your, your, your son. Thank you for your spirit that you now give to us. Help us to walk in that peace, to enjoy it ourselves, but to, and to live it out and share this peace with others. Because just as you, the Prince of Peace, came down for us, help us to go now as ministers of peace out into a world that needs you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.